Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, getting used to the new arrangement here. Uh, I, got, I got my back to the window. You got your back back to the wall, as far as <laughs> yeah, I'm concerned. my back's up against the wall with this new this new arrangement here in uh, here at Casa Battleship Pretension. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm getting over it. Okay. I'm getting used to it. All right. I'm trying to trying to ease in. Yeah. To the setting because I want to be to be comfortable and relaxed and confident when we welcome our guest this week. Who's our guest, David? Our guest this week is comedian and host of Dinner and a Movie, Paul Gilmartin. Hello, Paul. How's it Gentlemen. Going? All right. Um, now here's here's. <laughs> Why do I start off with a lie right out of the bat, <laughs> right out of the gate? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing, with the possible exception exception of Maurice Lamarche, who did the voice of Egon on the Real Ghostbusters. I may have actually known about our guest today longer than any of our other guests because you've been doing dinner and a movie for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, back when I lived in uh, Missouri, my uh, my friend and I would watch dinner and a movie and be like, "Oh man, that's that guy's funny." Oh, so, I appreciate that. Thank absolutely. you. How Could long you, have you been doing dinner and a movie? Uh, since ninety five. Okay. Ninety five. So fifteen years, fifteen years. For those of you that are bad at math, um, that's nice to hear because you. Uh, you know, when you start out doing stand-up comedy, you know whether or not you're going over. But mm-hmm. with TV, it's just kind of into the ether, yeah. and, and sometimes you'll read a nasty email, and you'll think, "Wow, maybe I do suck." Uh, <laughs> it's also when you raise Catholic, it's also a lot easier for the bad comments to stick than the than mm-hmm. the good comments. Because when somebody compliments me, my first thought is, "They don't know. <laughs> they haven't obviously haven't seen the majority of my work. They they happen to catch a good night." Oh wow! But thank you. Yeah, that's pretty much how I am with every comment we get about this show. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. You're, you're the mainstay over there at dinner and a movie. Oh yeah, I somehow have managed. I'm uh, I'm like the person in the concentration camp that figured out a way to weasel my way into work into the workforce. Everybody else gets. By the way, <laughs> could I have could I have been more insulting to the people that lived through the Holocaust? <laughs> right. This show that I make, where we cook chicken and talk about Ali Sheedy. <laughs> it's a metaphor for your genocide. You know, How you, awful. You talk to a survivor and you're like, hey, you know what? I know, I know how you feel. I know what you're going I feel, through. You know, I was walking through uh, Venice Beach one time with my mom and we passed a spa and she went, ugh, I had a massage once. It was like Auschwitz. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, really? She said, yes, it was so rough. And I said, "Do you, do you really you want to you want to talk to somebody that lived through the Holocaust and compare that? You talk to anybody. The massages at Auschwitz were very they were awful, <laughs> awful. You were sore for a couple of days, but yeah. after that, you were pretty relaxed. Yeah, the hot rocks they were cold. <laughs> 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 um, but, but like, like I said, you you've been on you've been with dinner in the movie for the for, for the run, for the yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You've, you've cycled through co-hosts. Yeah. Yes, because um, you keep getting sick of them." <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to do with their, with their with their replacements. Uh, I have nothing to do but with them. I, I like the them. idea that your, yes. your, your, your secret persona on yes. set is just yeah. like, get a, get a younger broad in here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Every few years. Yeah. I stand uh, in front of the monitor, I stroke my chin, <laughs> and I say, I think it's time. <laughs> David, I like your use of the word broad. I'd yes. Say that's about right. I like it. Um, but let's, uh, let's go back. Let's mm-hmm. travel back in time. Mm-hmm. Before you were on Dinner and a Movie, of course, you're a stand-up comedian. You still mm. are a stand-up comedian. Mm. Uh, how did you get started, and uh, kind of what, spire, what inspired you to, to do that? Uh, probably listening to George Carlin albums when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I remember uh, somebody on our block had uh, Class Clown, 
at being in Catholic grade school and all of a sudden hearing somebody make fun of what you're going through, mm. um, I, I'd never even thought about questioning authority to that mm. degree and to do it in a way that was so funny. And I hung around a lot of really funny people in, in grade school. Um, I was certainly not the class clown. Um, like Eugene Levy in in uh, Waiting for Guffin, but I, I studied him very closely. <laughs> Isn't that, I'm paraphrasing, I'm sure. But um, I've just my my household was kind of tense and kind of I like to describe my uh, fa- family as uh, the movie Ordinary People without the belly laughs. <laughs> uh, so I've always been drawn to 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 funny people, and I just love that release of tension that, that mm. the comedy comedy gives you and. Um, so I, you know, in high school I wanted to get involved in theater, but I didn't have the confidence to be around the you know the quote theater fags as they were as mm-hmm. they were called. Uh, but I really wanted to do that. I felt you like sir I are talking to a couple of theater yeah? fags. Yeah, <laughs> good for you for for having the balls to to do what you wanted to do. I cared too much what people thought, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but when I got to college, I I'd always wanted to do stand up. I would. I noticed when I was a kid that when we watch a Tonight Show and the stand-up comedians were on, I noticed that I, I was never laughing. I was I was always mm. just kind of absorbing what what they were doing, and I'd always had a dream of doing stand-up. And so uh, I went to uh, college. I was pre-med, thought I was going to be a doctor. I was getting ready to take the MCATs, and there was a stand-up competition. Mm-hmm. And uh, my roommate talked me into joining it, and I thought before I do the competition, I want to take an acting class to – you know, get over my fear of talking in front of people, mm-hmm. and uh, I fell in love with acting and changed my my major to uh, theater from uh, hmm. from pre med, and then got out. Obviously, couldn't really make a living doing theater in Chicago, even there was a you know an abundance of shows and stuff. It didn't mm-hmm. really pay, and uh, trained at Second City, um, not a paid performer. Went through their training program, mm-hmm. um, and. All along, I'd wanted to do stand-up, but just the thought of being out there alone was too frightening. But after I didn't get accepted into Second City's company, um, I was like, all right, let's do it. And so I started doing open mics in 87. Hmm. And then by 88, uh, I was able to quit my day job. And um, so I've been doing that and that's really fast. That's a oh year. well, you have to. You have, and this isn't me being self-deprecating. You have to understand. This was during the comedy boom, and in Chicago there were sixteen full-time clubs. Oh, okay. So you, if you could put a couple of sentences together, uh, mm-hmm. you could, you could work. Okay. Yeah. It was. I mean, the comedy boom was nationwide. Yes. But I see. I feel like Chicago was like this this hotbed. I mean, people that are. That we have had on the show, and people mm-hmm. like yourself and Jimmy Pardo, Jimmy yeah. Dore, Mike Schmidt, the UCB guys mm-hmm. were, were there at that time. It seemed like it the was. late 80s in Chicago was an amazing place. It for was comedy. an amazing. It was an amazing place. You know, we'd do an open mic night, and it, it would be, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk and Emo Phillips and Ken Campbell and. Steve Rudnick and Leo Benvenuti and Tom Giannis and and we would be performing for eight people on a Sunday night, but mostly performing for each other. Um, uh-huh. And uh, it was it was just it was just so much so much fun. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, as far as like the material that you that you performed, I know that as a comic, you've I mean you you do a lot of political humor. Uh, I mean so much so that you actually have a, a character that you perform mm-hmm. as. But we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But um, Political, but then you also do uh, or have done uh, these poems, mm-hmm. um, and so how did you how did you find uh, 
your voice? Like what came what came first? Or was I think it the all poems kind of- I think the poems came first because uh <clears throat> I I was God, I feel so embarrassed to say this, but I was in a fraternity in college. Uh and one of the things that you would do is um the pledges would line up and they would and and then the the guys who were already in the fraternity mm-hmm. would read a poem, an insulting poem mm-hmm. uh, that they that they had written about you. And I just remember thinking, God, I can do way better than that. So once yeah. I became came into the fraternity, I the poems just came flow these just horrible, just <laughs> tearing these guys to pieces. But they were they were funny, and the 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 pledges would have tears running down their face because they know because you know somebody was screaming don't laugh you know it's not funny but they <laughs> they were you know mm-hmm. if i do say so myself they were really funny mm-hmm. and so when i started doing stand-up i don't know if somebody said you should do poems or i thought to myself i should do poems but i thought this is something that that is a little bit different um it's funny because to this day it, it's something that that people uh probably a lot of people know me for, uh, especially Bob and Tom listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I, I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed about because I don't know what, if I feel like it's a little, I don't know, comedy storeish. You mm. know, a little <laughs> here's a big, big fat hook. You know, it's a little, yeah. it's a little last comic standing, uh, <laughs> and that kind of embarrasses me. Um, but there's some of them that that that, that I'm I'm quite proud of, um, and they did. Um, kind of endear me to Bob and Tom, and that was an important um, thing because – do mm-hmm. you know who Bob and Tom oh, are? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had started performing these poems for, on the Bob and Tom show when I was a feature act in Indianapolis, and this is when Bob and Tom were just in Indianapolis. They weren't hmm. in any other cities, and they put me on like eight of their uh, charity CDs, and so audiences really got to know me um, – when people would come out to see me do stand up, it was mostly because of Bob and Tom, mm. not so much because of dinner and a movie. So, you know, I guess it was. I'm glad I did them, but if I'm in a city that's not a Bob and Tom city, I'm always relieved because nobody expects me to do poems and I don't okay. have to do them because they're kind of. I've been doing them for 20 years. I'm kind yeah. of tired of them. Um, How's that for a long winded fucking answer? It's fine. It's yeah. interesting. Right. It's, you know, right. um, and actually, I. Uh, so. I want to try and go in chronological order here. Mm. Uh, at what point did uh, Richard Martin show up? Richard Martin showed up in 2004. Okay. Um, it was, uh, I looked, and a lot of people think I'm ripping off Stephen Colbert, but it was actually a year before Stephen Colbert came on the air. All right. Um, <laughs> I was at M-Bar, and I s- was doing a set, and I saw, I was like every other comedian, infuriated at the Bush administration, felt powerless, was ranting about them, and I thought, what can I do that's well, not different? every other comedian. There's yes. Dennis Miller. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't think Dennis had really swung to that. I yeah. guess, you know, we probably had at that point. He, he, had, he was swinging. He swung. He's there now. Yeah. Definitely. And it's funny, I used to write for him. Really? Uh, yeah, really? his first, uh, when he had that syndicated show on uh, Tribune on WGN, mm-hmm. or one of, I think it was just syndicated um, in the early 90s. Okay. I was a fax in writer, hmm. a salary oh, wow. fax in writer. Um, but uh, I looked around and I saw, God, I sound like everybody else bitching about Bush. What can I do that's different? And the thought occurred to me, why not become that guy? Because I know those guys. I, I've golfed with those guys. I <laughs> went to Catholic grade school with those guys. Yeah. You know, the guys that never question what their parents teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, America's always right. America never does anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um Minorities are always suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the poor are that way because, you know, they are, they don't work hard enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and 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 I knew exactly how this guy dressed. I went to Joseph Banks, <laughs> and you know, spent about two hundred and fifty dollars on the pleated khakis, the tasseled loafers, the <laughs> shirt with the French cuffs. I went to a pawn shop because I knew this guy would wear his high school ring on his pinky. <laughs> um, I mean, I I just. I, and the funny thing is, is I've never been good at, at at characters. When I was going through Second City's tra- training program, I always felt like God, I, I, I really suck at characters. But for some reason, this character, um, I just knew so well. But I didn't know if it was going to go over. I didn't know if people would get it. And mm-hmm. so, um, I went up at Ireland's Thirty Two, which is a bar in the Valley, uh, oh, corner yeah, of Woodman and Burbank. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, th- I thought, let me try it out. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I, and I'm sitting on the bar stool waiting to go up, and nobody's listening to the comedians. People are playing darts. It's super loud, and I'm like, "This is a mistake." And then the little voice in my head was like, "Just try, it. just try." It. Mm-hmm. And from the moment I walked up there, the place got you could have heard a pin drop because it's like, "Who is this asshole <laughs> dressed like he's from Orange County?" <laughs> and now, mind you, there 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 hadn't been a Colbert yet, so. People weren't getting that. I guess they got it somewhat from from John Stewart, but there wasn't this cathartic release of a character mm-hmm. who embodied that that was doing satire on that. And it was like the room just it it, it lit up. If you know, mm-hmm. if I if I can say so, I'm the last person to say you know it was great, but it was it was great. And mm-hmm. I, and from then I I knew I was onto something. And like a month later, I got invited to the Aspen Comedy Festival and mm-hmm. was highlighted on the like their midnight main stage show. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was kind of a buzz about it. And I had a meeting with HBO Independent Productions, and they were like, you know, could you see a show around this guy? And and I kind of panicked, panicked because I was like, I, I there's no way I could carry a show. There was, mm-hmm. there not that they were offering me a show, but they were. Wanted to know if I'd be interested in finding a writer and developing one. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, no, I, I just don't know this character other than him. I don't know how what a show would be with this guy because I think it would it would get old very fast with just this guy, the humor coming from just this guy. I felt like mm-hmm. I needed a couple more years to mm-hmm. find out who, who are the people that surround this guy. What is right. his life like when he's not speaking in front of a crowd? And so it's taken me about five years uh, and a lot of people comparing me to uh, Colbert, yeah. um, which I was just kind of rolling my eyes. Uh, but but you know what? I love what he does. I, yeah. I don't feel that it's competition. I've, I started doing this character as a like my picket sign to keep me from going crazy. So mm-hmm. I feel more like, hey, it's, you know, yeah. it's all a beautiful part of the democratic But you process. have added to the world of Richard Martin. Since I have. I've, I've, I've heard a, a couple of things with Maria Bamford. Yes. His, yeah. His, Adding his, her his was, a, was a lot of fun. And she brings this really crazy, crazy tangential <laughs> thing to it. Um, I made up who his kids are. Uh, my wife and I wrote, uh, and Maria helped also write an animated pilot that I want to try to sell. <laughs> I want to try to find an animator and do like a, uh, uh, you know, like a minute long demo. So any young animators out there, hmm. if you're looking for, uh, my f- my for work, about, oh god, sorry, yeah. uh, about the, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like that 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 uh, Richard Martin rewards his wife with diet cokes for her yeah, diet sun kiss. That <laughs> was Maria's. That's what it is. That's yeah, Maria <laughs> adds these. She's such a genius. She adds these things to it that you just in a million years a, a room of writers wouldn't would never come up with it because they just come from this this deep place in her that's so that's so awesome. 
Um, so I'm, you know, I'm still having fun with that. But to be honest, I, I'm kind of bored by the political part of Richard Martin. I'm more interested in his family life and his mm-hmm. his his kids and his relationship with his wife and his smoldering homosexuality. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the stuff that 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 I'm kind of mining and 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 wanting to find. That's- but. Another one of my favorite lines is uh, the, the talk about uh, <laughs> uh, you're trying to link homosexuality to global warming and the, the yeah. average temperature in a gay bar is 110 oh, okay. degrees or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, we me- I mentioned before we started recording that, uh, like, politically I'm kind of center, mm-hmm. slightly right, si- slightly left sometimes. Um, and uh, when I first saw Richard Martin, I remember I was, I was a little more right-leaning uh, at the time. And I remember being kind of like kind of offended. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, but we're not all like that. Yeah. And it's just like and, and the website was like, ask a Republican. It's like, that means any Republican. Yeah. yeah. I'm not like that. Yeah. My friends aren't like that. Yeah. And that's when I realized like, yeah, but the ones in charge are kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's when I realized like, yeah, yeah. I have seen that yeah. in my in my life. Just yeah. people who it's it's so much about. And of course, since then, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to offend that one guy again. But uh, people like. Palin, for example, who just smothers like any kind of an experience or any kind of flawed argument with confidence. Mm-hmm. Just if I exude perfection, you know, the perfect cuffs, it's the bad, perfect it's tie. It's bad community theater. <laughs> it's bad community. It really is. It's like, and yet somehow it works on the majority of the population that that is. It gives them an excuse to act out there. And now you you are a conservative. In the vein that my dad was, you're, you're mm. probably fiscally conservative but socially liberal. You yeah, strike I say me, in that, yeah, yeah. That's and those people I can I can get behind because I'm fiscally mm. conservative and I'm socially liberal. I think mm-hmm. the government is spending way too much money. Yeah. It's the social conservatism, um, and and it's the conservatism with the government's money, except when it comes to business. It's the corporate welfare mm. that that the Republicans, if they were conservative across the board with their spending. Mm. I'd be okay with that, but mm-hmm. the handouts to to corporations it, yeah. it, it, it is just it's sickening. But um, I, I get uh, quite a few Republicans that that really uh, like it. Mm-hmm. And um, my cousin is a he's the state's attorney for Adams County in mm-hmm. uh, in Illinois, and he's a Republican. And uh, when I come in town and we do fundraisers, um, you know, he has me do the character on stage, and they they enjoy it. So th- cool. you know, they <laughs> they're they're. Uh, they, they they can definitely have a, a sense of humor about them about oh, themselves. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a nice transition. Speaking mm-hmm. of people having a sense of humor about mm-hmm. it, I want to kind of swirl this into dinner and a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, dinner and a movie is a very uh, it's it's a fun show and it's very, um, for lack of a better term, like kind of a family friendly show. Mm-hmm. Everyone can watch it. Everyone in, yeah. it, inoffensive in general. Yeah. Um, not to imply you know uh, pedantic or anything like that, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know you you do that. But then you also go out as Richard Martin, and mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and I've seen like your Comedy Central special, mm-hmm. and it's very honest. I mean, there's mm-hmm. moments there where like I, I notice like you're not getting like heavy laughs; you're getting people being like, "Ugh, yeah, oh well, look, you look who decided to broach a subject." You, you know? didn't, you didn't see the taping of it. Okay. You, you thought the sweetened version was silent. Okay. Oh my God! Really? My Comedy Central presents was a train wreck. Oh my! Really? A train wreck. Um. I've had people come up to me afterwards that were there, and they said, you know, they didn't get you. I don't know whether they didn't get me or didn't like me, but um, 
somebody said, yeah, it was it was the bridge and tunnel people, and mm-hmm. you know you were performing for the people that live in Manhattan, but this was the oh. Jersey people from the suburbs that were coming to see some television. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it was awful. Really, it was awful. But thank God Jimmy Dore was there, and 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 Steph, his mm-hmm. uh, his girlfriend, and they were very comforting, and they just kept saying, "You were funny. Your special was special." You know, you had a point of view, and you stuck to it, and it was different, yeah. and and it was good, and and that probably kept me from jumping off a, a, a roof in in Manhattan because I was really, like, and, and I knew they were going to sweeten it even while I was up there sweating, mm-hmm. uh, and thank God it wasn't my first TV gig because I might have I might have collapsed, but I I dropped bits. I mean, I was thrown a little bit, hmm. um, but it just, I I think when you when you ad- adopt. Um, a strong point of view, and sometimes if you're subtle with it, mm-hmm. you're gonna get people that don't like it or don't get it, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of the risk, the risk that you run. And my whole special was certainly not, you know, didn't have a strong point of view and, and and was subtle. There, I, the last ten minutes of it, I started doing, you know, how kids walk and <laughs> really, because I like I. I wanted to get a little love before I left the stage. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I was like a, a, a needy man on fire, and their <laughs> laughter was a bucket of water by the time I <laughs> by the time I got off uh, off stage. So, I changed my set list. Wow, yeah. that is a, it's you you. I mean, it, there's a there's a couple mm. moments in the in the special, mm. but uh, you never know it would it, would, it went that, yeah. that poorly because it's mm. a very it's a very good special, yeah. and it looked like people yeah. were very receptive yeah. to it. Well, you know, I I kind of enjoyed the silence for the first five minutes because I knew. They were going to be a little bit like, is he being sarcastic? Mm-hmm. You know, because I kind of came out and I was kind of right wing and talked about how the the gays are around the corner trying to butt fuck us and we need to, you know, we need to <laughs> drive gay hummers or something. I don't even remember, <laughs> but but I th- I remember thinking, okay, when I'm done with this bit, then they'll they'll see that you know I'm on their side that I was just being sarcastic mm-hmm. and they weren't on my side <laughs> at that point and then I went into panic mode <laughs> then I was like oh my fucking god I've got 25 more minutes <laughs> this is my comedy central half hour but well, the the question here though is that with with as you said with uh, dinner and a movie being so family friendly do you do, do the executives over at the at the network TNT right TBS TBS, TBS. yeah damn it <laughs> I knew it was one of the super stations yeah. um do they ever get nervous? No, uh, no, okay. no. I don't think they care. In fact, the guy, uh, the head of TBS, a guy named Steve Coonan, um, wanted to get rid of the TBS image that it was, um, you know, the place for Alice reruns. You know, mm-hmm. the place for um, that that was kind of behind the times. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has always wanted our sense of humor to be a little edgier and uh, and more modern. So um, now that that I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. Uh, um, okay. Well, that was that was the same about, yeah. the same network as Conan. Now yeah. Conan yeah. I you know almost every move that they've that they've made over at, at TBS I think has been uh, has been in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I think it's all it's all good. And, and I like that show, My Boys, too. I don't know if you uh, Jim Gaffigan one. Yeah. I've only seen a little a little bit of it. Is it still on? Um, it took a long break between seasons, but it's, yeah. it is coming back yeah. for, I think, a fourth season at the yeah. end of the summer. You mean yeah. to tell me you don't watch every single thing <laughs> on TBS? I don't watch my show. People <laughs> apologize. They'll say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I haven't seen it. And I said, don't worry. I'm on it, and I don't watch it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I like uh, – my voice takes place in Chicago, and uh, 
I used to live in Chicago, but I recognize the settings of my boys, not because I used to live in Chicago, but because I used to work on the Paramount lot. And oh. it's so obviously really? the city on yeah. Paramount yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and, and, and just sort of <laughs> occasionally throwing some fake yeah. snow on the ground. It's so, yeah. so not Chicago, yeah. but I still like the, I like yeah. the show. Uh, speaking of uh, 80s memories, I remember working at the Funny Firm, and I was a feature act, and Jim Gaffigan was the MC who, oh, wow. who was just in visiting you know, from, from someplace out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a really cool thing when you've stuck around long enough is is you get to see these these people um just become incredible mm-hmm. incredible comedians yeah. and you remember when they were first you I'm know, sure starting saying the same about you oh, come <laughs> on now. Don't, don't sell yourself short here um all right well, well let's, let's yeah let's get into it shall we right. we, 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 t- uh, we always ask the guests what what topics they want to talk about mm-hmm. and uh Paul was at the ready yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes got, they hem and haw. Yeah, but uh, Paul had something he wanted to get off his chest. Yeah, yeah. it's and a hot coal that's been in my stomach for twenty years, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's movie cliches. Yeah. So let's what 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 I've been thinking about writing a book about movie cliches. That's hmm. like how how tired I am of you them. You know what this says to me is that I'm not I have to do any work this episode. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can carry the rest of the show. Oh, well, I don't know if I if I can do that, but. Um, Having to watch movies that I wouldn't necessarily watch on dinner in a movie, I sit through things mm-hmm. that that I don't like often. Um, and in some ways it's good because it gives you stuff to make fun of on the show, but in other ways it also kind of depresses you because you're like, really? That's getting greenlit? That <laughs> traffic is being stopped for that <laughs> moment that we've seen 800 fucking times? Can we swear on this? Oh, yeah, yeah, 800 fucking times? That That's what I always think when I see a horrible cliche moment is I think somebody was late for something because traffic was stopped for that piece <laughs> of fucking shit right there. You know? Here's uh, here a very cu- practical. A couple of clues as to whether or not a movie is, is going to be shit, in my, in my opinion. Um, the colon... And the title uh-huh. usually lets you know there's some shit around the uh, the corner. Very rarely does a, does a movie title have a colon in it, and, it okay. and it's a great movie. There's a few, All right. but for the most part, it's something on Cinemax. You know, The Return of Cindy, Revenge is Nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's always something horrible like that. I don't know like what argument you're making with that. Return of Cindy, Revenge is Nice is pretty solid. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. You should have seen the first one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm making it up. It's the, like uh, Godfather Part Two. The second one was so much better. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go on. Um, the, the other uh, thing, that a catchphrase as <laughs> in the title. Think of a, think of a great movie that, ha- that has a catchphrase title. How, how do you mean? Like what? Uh, it, well... It wasn't a horrible movie, but as good as it gets. Oh, oh right. yeah. What happens in Vegas? Yeah, exactly. Is that a, real, that's that's a, a movie? That's a movie, yeah. Rob Corddry. Oh, that's yeah. right. Was yeah, it good? Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. Seems probably no. Seems like I'd it's not. like Rob yeah. Corddry. But it seems uh, like one of those movies where it's horrible, and they think that if they, they just get really funny people, that'll mm-hmm. make it okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the trailer... Mm-hmm. That shows the hero running to escape a fireball exploding uh-huh. behind him. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to see a whole lot of new ideas in that. <laughs> and then, the, to me, the and this was a lot in the 80s. Might have even been just one poster, but to me it felt like it was every movie poster. Was a guy in boxer shorts sitting in a tree shrugging. <laughs> Doesn't that... I mean, that was... It just seemed like every movie poster was some version of that. Right, a guy... A you guy know. shrugging, and there's going to be yeah. some sort of sexual exactly. hijinks. Yes, yeah. and, the, and there's a goat on the tree. I love how the goat <laughs> is always letting you know that something got crazy. 
<laughs> so fucking tired. <laughs> the goat. You scratch the surface of anyone's id, and it's the desire to fuck a goat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right under there. Yeah. And it's here's the thing is that hasn't really gone away that much. If you go if you if you glance through the Netflix watch instantly options in the comedy section, you will find new movies that has like, oh, a teenage kid and his pants are around his ankles and he's wearing uh, boxers with hearts on them. Right. And he's kind of shrugging. Yes. And it's just like, really? Really? Not just the shrugging, boxers with hearts on them. Yeah, of course. Really? Because it makes him look sensitive and that's bad. <laughs> why is shrugging charming? Yeah. Like, why is... Why is, like, I'm a good guy. I'm caught up manly. in Act Three. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? It's just that it's it's so the shrug is the opposite of what's compelling about a human being. Exactly. It's, it's like I give up. I'm indecisive. I have right. no strength. Do not put any. I no backbone. Yes, nothing or, is less interesting than nice characters. Right. Or you know, it could be uh, it could be like. Don't uh, don't blame me. Right. Uh-huh. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm j- I'm put upon. I'm like Harold Lloyd. Yeah. I um, don't know how the pizza got on the turntable. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, when John Hughes jumped the shark when, in, uh, what was it, 16 Candles or uh-huh. Pretty in Pink? I forgot which one, but it was the morning after yeah, some big party, candles, think, and there was yeah. a pizza on the turntable. I was like, all right. Yeah, because yeah, that only would ha- that wouldn't happen wouldn't in real life. Happen. Someone would have eaten the pizza. No one exactly. orders a pizza yeah. just to set it on a exactly. turntable. Exactly. Hey, look at this thing spin around. And at what point did the... They stop listening to music. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Look, we got to sacrifice the music, but this is going to be worth it. Yeah. Watch this thing yeah. spin around. Yeah. If the prop guy is laughing really hard, <laughs> cut the joke. <laughs> cut the joke. Well, let me talk about one of my least favorite things. I don't even know if it counts as a movie cliche, but it's a mm. thing that happens in movies uh, that I hate. Uh, the way that people talk on the telephone in movies is not the way that people talk on the telephone mm-hmm. in real life. They often don't say goodbye. Mm-hmm. They, just, they both know when the conversation is over. Mm-hmm. That's that's a uh, a big thing. But the worst to me is just like, uh, you know, can we meet? Okay, I'll see you there. And then it's like, yeah. where and what time? <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> People yeah. don't make plans right. like that. Yeah, that, that's that's the that's a big. And uh, then it immediately goes to dial tone when they hang up, <laughs> which never yeah. happens. No, like that's like eight seconds. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, if I were to yeah if I were to talk to my wife on the phone the way people do in movies, I'd be in big trouble. Like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'd sound like a henpecked husband or anything. But like, that's yeah. bad news. That's a bad yeah. relationship. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've got a I've got a bunch on here, but I'll, I'll bring up the one that I've I'm sure I've probably brought it up on the show before. Uh, David and I went to film school, mm. and uh, and what I like where is did you go? Columbia, Columbia, Columbia College, College yeah. Chicago. Um, Great history of comedians that went through there. Really? Oh, yeah. In in the 80s, I was uh, in an improv group um, with um, uh, Dino Stamatopoulos. Do you know Dino? He was a writer on Mr. Hmm. Show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, Andy Dick was kind of uh, on the fringes uh, Hmm. then. And, and God, who who else was in the – there was somebody else that was in the group that I'm blanking on now. Um, Anyway. Well, I know Andy Richter is a is an alum mm-hmm. of Columbia College Chicago. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> yeah, all we heard we was used to about Kaminsky. Yeah, we used to rehearse at Columbia College in yeah. one of the classrooms up there. Classrooms is, yeah, I guess it was yeah. rooms where classes were held. Yeah, <laughs> not the not yeah. like the most uh, campus like of uh, of colleges. Yeah. Um, but what I what what's interesting to me about um, like movie cliches is people associate them with like bad Hollywood mainstream movies. There can be horrible cliches in horrible art films as well. Yes. And the one that I'm going to bring up, I've said it to David a million times. I, I saw it in so many student films. And so many, it's just like 
do you think you're the only one doing this? I have to assume you've seen this mm-hmm. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a shorthand for disturbed, which is a character, usually a woman, naked, fetal position, bathtub. Yes. And it's just like, yes. man, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. That's just, you'll find that in a lot of uh, a lot of student films. You also find a lot of uh, uh, heartbeats on the soundtrack in student <laughs> films. Just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the other one that annoys me is they have an eclectic sense of music. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Miles Davis, they'll have Miles Davis on. You know how many people secretly are bored by Miles Davis, <laughs> but don't really have the balls to say, you know what, I find his music annoying. I actually like some of his music, but oh, some yeah. of his music is hard to listen to. There, I've said it. <laughs> well, that's the re- I kind of like Miles Davis. We've talked about this yeah. on the show before. If you have a character who's like a fan of a specific thing, yeah, uh, then either it betrays that the writer doesn't actually know anything about that thing mm-hmm. or the fact that the writer is a huge fan and just wants to talk about whatever they're a fan of and it doesn't fit right. the movie. Right. It, 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 um, it almost never works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, the other movie cliche is that, uh, is that people enjoy the opera. That they get, like in Pretty Woman, where she goes and she cries at the opera. You know? <laughs> I cry if I have to go to the opera. <laughs> oh, but look, see, she's a prostitute, but she's sensitive. She is. <laughs> Yeah, that's another cliche is the hooker and or stripper with a heart of gold. Exactly. That yeah. I, I've, I don't know any prostitutes, but I've known a couple of strippers. Yeah. Uh, and that's not – you don't yeah. find that. Yeah. No, what you, you find is they're uh, probably very moody. They're a single mother. They have a very hostile attitude towards men. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I don't know. They have bad skin. I've run out of. <laughs> I've run out of. Uh, I've run out of them. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I hate when when they portray something. As, this is one of the reasons why I, I I get frustrated watching Entourage. Is it's such a glossy picture of uh, the pursuit of fame in Hollywood. I mm-hmm. so want the dark side of the pursuit of fame in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That to me is so much more. Human and interesting and compelling, and I, you know, I suppose they wanted Entourage to be, you know, eye candy for uh-huh. people that that don't live here. But uh, to me, there there is there are a few things as fascinating as the the lengths people will go to to try to get validation outside themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, by being a good athlete or being a movie star or a rock star or something like that. There's something mm-hmm. so. I don't know some so human and kind of pathetic uh, about that, and I'll and I'll throw myself in the mix. I mean, I mm-hmm. still struggle with the you know, the idea that well, a little form, a little, a little more fame might make my life a little easier. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew that that fame was never going to be a, a thing that would make me happy. Uh, I always thought that if I could get my face on a on a, a billboard on Sunset Boulevard, then I'd feel like okay, I've arrived. You know, mm-hmm. well, one year dinner and a movie took a did a big billboard on Sunset Boulevard, and I kid you not, I lost respect for Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> literally like the, like the Groucho March. But I, I, I realized at that moment that I see it's just a never-ending series of rungs where you just keep thinking the next rung I'll be able to relax. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's just everybody is always looking at what they perceive as the next level, and there's one guy at the top, and it's Tom Cruise, and he wishes he wasn't gay. So it's like, <laughs> just enjoy where you are. Uh, what, what bugs me about, not about Entourage the show, but about people who work sort of uh, in the industry and 
uh, I, I sort of used to. I did the PA thing for mm-hmm. a while. And you, you meet people who, because they want, they so want to be a part of that glamorous lifestyle or whatever, but they're also too cool for school. And I swear I've heard this multiple times. Someone say, oh, I don't want to watch Entourage. I don't want to watch a show that's about my life. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's no. Not, that's not about your life. If your life were like that, we wouldn't be having this conversation no. because you wouldn't be here right <laughs> no, now. No, that's the problem I had. shitty office on the Paramount lot. That's right. <laughs> that's the problem I have with Entourage is it doesn't show that. It doesn't show the PA that had to work 17 hours uh-huh. that, that mm-hmm. ran off the road and broke his neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody really gives a shit uh, about him except that maybe a couple of people. <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's the, the real Hollywood. Yeah. Well, that's what they have that. There, there's, there are laws now that you have to have a certain amount of turnaround uh, when you when you rap for a night, you and those to, get so abused, yeah. those get so. But the completely reason happened is because of the thing you're talking because about. Because of that, the camera assistant fell asleep and went off the road and, and yeah. died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember what show he or she was working on. Yeah, that yeah that that happens. It does. It does. There's a lady showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> She's a harsh mistress. Mis- harsh mistress she is. Um, so I've got I've got uh, a few here, and one of them uh, is fairly in depth, and uh, it has to do with. Avatar, but also uh, other which I have as well. not seen. I apologize. That's almost an achievement at this point. Is not <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. David really, David really likes it. Uh, but do you I wish agree. there was a world named Pandora <laughs> that you could live in? That's all I know. Is that no? I I, I don't understand. Like I, I I understand that. Like oh, it's like everyone seems to be happy on Pandora. Mm-hmm. But I would be there for two days, and then I'd want. Air yes. conditioning in a television. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. it sounds like Candyland for the socially awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so go ahead. But oh, it, th- that's the thing is you you, you kind of hit it right on the head is the idea of the this is this is the phrase I apologize if it's if it's offensive to anybody but the idea of the noble savage and how the simpler world is the happier world and we and we mm-hmm. who live in the cities ah. Oh, we are so bogged down by yeah. our things. Yeah. If only we could live like these people mm-hmm. who have no strife in their world. Yes. And, uh, and they never get in arguments. Yeah. They never get in fights. Yeah. You know, they don't have to worry about air conditioning and all this <laughs> other stuff. Mm. Oh, we would be, I'll be so much happier yes. if we did that. And it's not about money. It's about spending time with your daughter. <laughs> and you know that the guy that produced that movie fucked somebody out of money that day. <laughs> Fuck them. That, that was the other thing is, is the idea of this uh, amazing land that's foreign to us, but also the idea of small town life being mm-hmm. better. I've oh, lived in a small... Sweet Home Alabama is the oh, worst. Yeah, like, it's pretty terrible. Why would you want to uh, be an ambitious and very successful businesswoman when you could go live uh, with a bunch of uh, ignorant fucking hicks and their <laughs> drooling dogs and they wear uh, bleached denim with uh, American flags on the asses. Not to, not to imply... <laughs> well done. Not to yeah. imply that all small town people are like that, but I've yeah. lived in big cities and I've lived in small towns. Alabama is... Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you see that movie with Reese Witherspoon? No, I didn't. Uh, it seems like yeah. a dinner and a movie kind of movie. Yeah, I'm surprised it does. you haven't gotten there it yet. It does. What would you make for Sweet Home, Sweet Home, Sweet Home Fries, Alabama? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. We're over over 600 movies in, uh, or 500 movies in at this point. And I'm not even the one that has come up with the titles. That's uh, Claude, the, the guy that does the food, the chef on the show. He's the poor bastard that has to... Uh, but you've you've repeated movies. We have. But uh, and he has dishes? to come up with different <laughs> recipes. Oh, it's so... It's like we've we've shown uh, Rush Hour 2, I think, seven times. It's like, really, what can you say as you come out of the break? <laughs> For the seventh time, what can you... <laughs> that what, won't get you fired. That won't get you fired. 
So it's just I, like, you know what I'd like to uh, do yeah. is uh, eat a bullet at yeah. this point. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. But that, that is a great cliche, the uh, the the one that the, the Sabbath. You know, you know what's funny is we are that way. Uh, with in terms of like how we view the the rainforest people in Brazil, mm-hmm. their culture needs to be preserved. But when it's Appalachian people, we got to get these people into the modern world. <laughs> you know that's that's our approach, and we never feel like we need to pre- preserve yeah. their their way of life. But they're they're our rainforest people, so why do we treat them differently? And it it you you mentioned it a little bit with the producer who screwed somebody out of money, but like. It feels like it's there's a great deal of Hollywood cynicism to this particular – cynicism and condescension to this particular cliche because it's almost like they say small-town life, that's the way it is. You know, that's that's how you should live. We as producers don't live like that, but we'll make a lot of money exactly. if we tell the people in Peoria exactly. that they're living the right way. Exactly. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be caught dead in that town. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood but, liberals are probably the most condescending people on the planet. Um, they think they know what is best. They think they're better than everybody else. And, yeah, it's uh, – I completely agree Agree with that one. Uh, you know what? Small towns can be some of the most frightening, uh, racist, boring places to mm-hmm. live on God's planet. They, mm-hmm. c- they can be very relaxed and j- and also like – and the big city can be a wonderful place to live. Well, I've, yeah. heard, I've talked about it on the show before. There's that cliche of the small-town person who's afraid to go to the big city. They think they're going to get mugged and mm-hmm. get murdered. That's, well, if I'm on a road trip and I have to pull into a small, t- small town to get gas, mm-hmm. I'm sweating for that <laughs> 10 minutes yeah. because – that's as foreign to me as the big yeah. city thing is to them, yeah. and I think that there's just, it's all that, that Leatherface is right like just behind <laughs> the gas station there. Yeah, it's it's either Leatherface in, on one side or the Zodiac Killer on the other. Uh, all places are pretty terrible at times. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, people are terrible. But the uh, thanks, David. <laughs> and I think that's a good note to end on. But, yeah. uh, we're all terrible people. No, but the thing about the noble noble savage, and especially the way that it's uh, <coughs> the way that it's attributed to the American Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, is really we j- we only give them those traits to make it easier for us to live with what we did to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because if they're noble, then they died for a cause. Which instead yes. of actually like recognizing that they were human beings and they were terrified and they were tortured and, and, and maybe still awful. suffering from our yeah. decision. Yeah. <laughs> we're giving your you your own patch of land, the driest, dustiest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most. Scenicless is that even a word? Yeah. <laughs> and as long as we don't throw our coke cans out the truck window on the way by, you don't have anything to cry. That's about. right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and that's and that's what. And also, it just it it creates them as a metaphor for something as opposed to real people. And like in yeah. actuality, like Native American like tribes were warring with each other, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Yeah. And you watch something like Avatar that says they're all they're, they're all peaceful. So peaceful. And this every part of the buffalo shit, I'm not buying it. <laughs> the what? <laughs> this the, they used every part of the buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying it. No, you don't no. believe it. I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. But my just <laughs> my just natural innate cynicism says that's probably uh, not true. There's got to be one part where they're like they look both ways yeah. and they're like, I think I'm gonna chuck this. I don't yeah. think I want to eat. This. Maybe they use that though. The, 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 there was a certain part of it that was just used to heave at people they didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see another one, and this is very small. Is uh, a lot of these are can be found on uh, Ebert's uh, little movie glossary or whatever, where he comes up with little, little uh, all the cliches that he sees. Um, but uh, this one was interesting, which is the the classroom bell, 
which is yes. which is like a teacher will be right in the middle of a very stimulating lesson, yeah. and then the bell rings, and part of me is like, this is a professional teacher. They usually have their their plan worked out, yeah. and they know when the bell is gonna gonna yeah. ring. They're usually not in the middle of the most stimulating point. Right. And I remember, and then when the bell rings and everybody starts to file out. After probably the first six people are out, the, the teacher's like, now don't forget to do this. It's like, some people didn't even hear you. They, they're not going to know what the homework is. <laughs> right. And I remember just being bothered with that every time. Yeah. I, I just saw Indiana Jones, and it's just like, oh, he's such a bad teacher. Uh, it's a good thing this other thing's working out for him. But uh, so there's that. And then um, I actually saw see. an episode of Bones recently okay. where uh, Booth and Bones or whoever uh, – God, I know their names, mm-hmm. huh? Uh, they go to uh, to interview a college professor mm-hmm. who's teaching class, and then the bell rings at the end of mm-hmm. his college class. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't happen. You don't you don't hear classroom bells yeah. ringing on the campus of a university. Yeah. I'd like to hear the bell ring and have the teacher say, "Okay, the scene's over." <laughs> <laughs> so, what other cliches are, are burning a, a hole in your? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, this one, I've, I'm sure pe- I know people have made fun of already, but the uh, the cop who who gets taken off the case because he's too close to it, <laughs> or, or he's creating a mess, um, and his uh, you know what, what, who's the guys above him, the the, uh, the chief. The, the police chief yeah. uh, is going to have his ass because uh, the mayor is giving him shit because it looks bad in the papers about all the mess he's causing, all the, you know. But that cop's got to do it his own way. Yeah. Because that's how he, he does that. You know, this cop doesn't play by the rules. I believe the phrase you're looking for is the press is going to have a field day. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. The press is going to have a field day. It's what that's what they do. Awesome. We have these, like, like uh, you know, like Cobra or these, like, renegade cops, yeah. I think, like, like like at this point that we're seeing them, they're detectives. They're plain clothes detectives. Yeah. They're like, how did these guys even yeah. survive like oh. being a beat <laughs> yeah. cop for a while? Oh. oh, another one. The coroner who is always eating to show that he is unfazed <laughs> by the grizzly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Yeah. And that uh, and that actually leads to I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, this was your topic and I'm 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 eating into it. Um but I wanted to say this. I'm going to leave all the other ones out. But I wanted to say this because I actually watched Titanic last night for the first time in years. And uh, I really don't like the, the nerdy, I put quotes around this, funny, uh, insensitive, like, technician. And uh, this kind of fits into the, the coroner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy who's, who's not used to dealing with people. Mm-hmm. And so he can, he, man, he's uncensored. He'll just say whatever he wants to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, he's supposed to be funny because mm-hmm. he's goofy and quirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, how about? Oh, well, this one is more on uh, the single camera dramas. The uh, the uh, goth technical genius girl who wears pigtails. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I can picture that mm-hmm. character on NCIS mm-hmm. that you're talking about yeah. right now. Yeah. Do you watch NCIS? No, but I. Oh, okay, but you know who you're. I'm, well, I have a television podcast. I'm mm-hmm. aware of. That's TV true. Office. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I do another podcast. It's yeah. called Previously On. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, nerds. Do you watch Party Down, Paul? Mm-mm. Have What's you that? It's a it's a show on Stars. It's uh, oh with um uh, what's her name uh, Jane Lynch. Uh, she was on the first season. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now there's a character played by Martin Starr who was on Freaks and Geeks and mm-hmm. uh, is in Knocked Up. Uh, his char- character's name is Roman, and he's a nerd. And the difference between him and every other nerd on TV is that he's an actual 
he's like the actual nerds I know in that mm-hmm. he's unpleasant, misanthropic, mm-hmm. misogynist, arrogant, <laughs> yeah, very competitive at times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and not like the I mean the, the the nerd with the who's just who's the nicest person in the world, but it's just too shy, yeah, is just as much a cliche as the hooker with the heart of gold, absolutely, it, it doesn't exist, yeah, yeah, yeah. and usually it's just a, a model with uh, with thick rim glasses on, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's it, that's a good one. Which is, of course, similar to uh, the the nerdy girl who basically she just wears glass. You know, mm-hmm. it's an att- a very attractive girl who w- is wearing glasses and has her hair pulled up, and that's basically it. Yeah, and <laughs> but she has to get the makeover from the popular girl who has now learned her lesson. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody sees the new girl walking down the hall, and they had no idea there was such beauty hidden. It's almost like the uh, the the Cinemax movie where the secretary pulls the hairpin out and takes her glasses off. Pulls out the, the hairpin, the devil's grenade, and uh, <laughs> drops her hair down. And, and wow, actually, did she's... Did you see uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1 Mm-mm. with Emilio Estevez mm. and, uh, and Samuel L. Jackson? No. They actually go to interview a woman who's like the head of a charity, and she's like sort of got buck teeth and glasses, and then she goes, let me take my hair down and go like this, and then it's Kathy Ireland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she yeah. stands back up. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that to me is like one of the most... Again, like a, a cliche that is also kind of frustrating culturally, mm-hmm. where it just says, it's like, hey, it's not about beauty. Mm-hmm. It's about inner, you know, it's about yes. what's on the inside. It should be noted that the person will be beautiful by the end, though. Absolutely. Don't, don't worry. Absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that bothers me about Napoleon Dynamite. It's about mm-hmm. this guy who's made fun of and he's doing, you know, he does things his own way and the, mm-hmm. and the movie's like hey, we should just get on his side. But then he does something at the end mm-hmm. that causes wide acceptance in the school, and that's a win. Right. just like, oh. So it's okay now that you're being accepted. Right, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, um, but another thing that is it's, it's a, little hard, hard, a little bit more difficult to parse, but I'm thinking of the, the example of like Pam on The Office, mm-hmm. who is the really sweet like she, uh, girl who uh, the nerdy character falls in love with, and she... Doesn't she doesn't dress all sexy, but she's the the problem is she's clearly gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. Jenna Fisher who plays ba- Pam is beautiful, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to believe that she's like the the mousy girl. And yes, it, and it takes yeah. the 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 smart shy guy to right. see the beauty in her when yeah. she's clearly the most beautiful person yeah. in the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the the curve that Hollywood grades beauty on is yeah. not what the average person right. Which was a big deal with uh, that show, Ugly Betty, mm-hmm. right? Where which I've never seen an episode of, but I yep. remember there was a lot of discussion, like, like, oh, she's so ugly because she wears braces and has glasses. Yeah, yeah. And American Ferrara in real life is not that ugly. <laughs> I'm joking. She's actually very attractive. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah>. <laughs> um, now, uh, so are there any others uh, that just that just uh, chap your hide? Um, God. I just had one on the uh, the tip of my brain when I'm you were sorry. talking about the the be- oh um, it's this is more of a TV cliche but it, it lost to me is the perfect example of this is everybody is so fucking beautiful that's why I love <laughs> uh, like Mad Men and Breaking Bad mm-hmm. is they're normal looking people there's a couple of people that are very attractive in there mm-hmm. but they also have flaws mm-hmm. and lost it just looks like a bunch of I don't know. I just get this feeling in my stomach that I am watching a bunch of actors that look in the mirror a lot. <laughs> and, and it just it takes me out of it. I can never lose myself because I feel like I'm not watching real people because their makeup and there's just a way that it's shot so pretty mm-hmm. that it 
it just it tries so hard visually it tries so hard i do i do like lost but i will say that like the the characters like that oh they've been on an island which means and they, they've they have no showers they have yeah. no new clothes so they should look really rough yeah uh-huh. and they look rugged but they look rugged yes. and yeah. just like <laughs> everything looks very carefully put together yeah. it's like we don't want to this person they're on the way to an LOB catalog shoot. We <laughs> want the viewers concerned yet still masturbating. <laughs> the other thing that happens on Lost that happens on a lot of like mystery type shows and, and movies is is in order to keep the air of of mystery, uh, the characters don't don't tell each other everything. Yeah, it's like they'll have yeah. a conversation. And it's like, yes. why aren't you telling this person what just yes. happened? Yes, that's another one. Uh, or somebody is. Uh, guilty of murder, and they have an easy way to say why they weren't the one that did it, but they don't do it for some reason. You know, somebody cuts them off, and that's enough for them not to clear themselves of murder. I don't want to interrupt this person. Well, that, that, would, that would be rude. I'd rather do hard time for the rest of my life. My mom did not raise a rude person. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's actually, I, I love, uh, I think David might wind up disagreeing with me on this, but I love the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. But Harry Potter is one of the most passive protagonists I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He lets like have you seen any of the Harry Potter films? No, I read the 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 first book. Okay. In the fourth one there's the Triwizard Tournament where young wizards are entered into this tournament. Mm-hmm. They can submit their own names mm-hmm. and uh and then it's it's life or death. You could get killed in this tournament. Yeah. And uh Harry's name gets gets put out there. Mm-hmm. He didn't submit it, mm-hmm. but his name gets thrown gets uh, you know the the cup says you're in the tournament. And everyone's like, oh, you can't, uh, you know, there's nothing that can be done. He has to be a part of it. And Harry just sits there watching. He doesn't want to be a part of it at any moment. He goes, like, can I not do this? Right. I'd really like well, not to do this. Let's take a break and let me defend the Harry Potter franchise okay. for just a second. Uh, the Harry Potter story is that is before it's these adventure stories, it's a portrait of an adolescent boy and an adolescent yeah. shy boy who... If you're if you're 14 years old, then the principal of your school, you don't stand up to that person unless you're some kind of a you know a ruffian or a juvenile delinquent. If the principal is saying you've got to be a part of this thing that could kill you, I think you might muster up something. Uh, it's the world they live in. I guess so. Right. It's the it's the world of magic. Well, I, Fair I, enough. I don't want to argue about Harry Potter. Yeah, all right, you're embarrassing me in front of the guest table. <laughs> <laughs> um. By the way, you guys just cemented your your geek creds <laughs> yeah. by arguing about Harry Potter. That was awesome. Yeah, I guess. And you and you showed yourself to be a cool guy with things to do by saying, "Yeah, I read the first book. I didn't read anything after that, nor did I see the movies. I got stuff to do." Um, Sadly, no. I mostly nap, <laughs> stare at the ceiling, and think about what might have been. <laughs> I love a good nap. Yeah. Um, now, how long have we been going for? Uh, fifty-five minutes. Fifty-five yeah. minutes. All right. Yeah. So, uh, unless you, unless, does anybody have anything else? They they need to get off their chest about movie <laughs> about cliches. Movie cliches. Um. Oh, uh, the car that is on gravel but makes a peeling out noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that's uh, like um, apparently just brandishing a knife or sword in the air in makes ding! the sound of it yeah. rubbing against metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sp- speaking of of or just, weapons, just and... just raising a gun makes it go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and speaking of, of guns, uh, whenever like a character, uh, hero or villain, uh, they're sneaking up on someone and they're going to kill him, and they decide I'm going to cock this gun, and then you see someone, you see the person in front of them, you see their head along with the gun, mm-hmm. cocks a little bit, and then they 
they whirl around and shoot the you know shoot the hero or villain. And I remember being like, just pre cock the gun. Yeah. <laughs> or just shoot. Yeah. yeah. I just everyone like it's yeah. always I got to do this before mm-hmm. I kill them. Mm-hmm. You can just pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And they won't hear anything except their own scream. Right. And, yeah. uh, oh, uh, the other the other one is people that haven't seen each other in a long time that stare at each other for five seconds before they run together and hug. <laughs> no, it's instant when you see <laughs> some. Oh my fucking god! Where have you been? <laughs> you run across the room and you hug them. You don't stare at them. <laughs> well, on that note, I hope Paul that we get the chance to to make eye contact for five seconds sometime in the future. There you we go. see you back on Battleship Pretension. Absolutely. I would love to come back. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, all right. So you can find us as always uh, at battleshippretension dot com or in iTunes under Battleship Pretension. You can email us David at battleshippretension dot com or Tyler at battleshippretension dot com or follow me on Twitter at twitter dot com slash the pretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter dot com slash more lessons, which is the Twitter feed for his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at more than one lesson dot com. Uh, Paul, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you, my my Republican character, you can find at askarepublican dot com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's maybe the worst website uh, on the <laughs> internet, uh, which I'm told is a series of tubes and wires and cans. Um, it is slow loading. Uh, it is ugly. And I'm just quoting the people that email me. Uh-huh. But you can email me through that. Um, and then I have a Facebook page, um, uh, Paul Gilmartin. And I guess there's a couple of Paul Gilmartins. Mine is the one with a uh, an adorable dog looking right into the lens of a, uh-huh. of a camera. Um, and then also I will say that uh, for those with Netflix and you, and you have the Netflix watch instantly, uh, as of right now, all of the Comedy Central presents, except for the current season, all of them are available uh, to watch instantly. Oh, I, I highly idea. recommend uh, it, it going and watching. It just happened last week. Yeah. Oh. So I've been catching Along up on Along with every episode of Premium oh. Blend. And, really? And every live at Gotham. Oh, wow. Oh, oh right. And also if people are interested in um, hearing uh, the poems that we talked oh, okay. about, uh, my personal website, paulgilmartin.com, uh, I believe um, there's a link on there where you can buy my um, CD. And okay. also people have put them up on YouTube and okay. stuff like that. So, All right. So there's a lot of places to find you. I yeah. recommend going and watching that uh, Comedy Central Presents. It's good stuff. Uh, Paul, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.